0: So cameras, I'm giving you fair warning here. I'm about to move over to my right so that we can get a start on this new series. Here I go. You ready? In case you haven't figured it out yet, can the camera make it all the way over here? Yep. So everybody online can see this. There we go. Guess what we're going to start studying? The book of And guess what we see in the book of Acts? It's the beginning of of the Christian church. And so we are going to remind us of that throughout the coming weeks with building... Oh, I I really thought you'd be more awake than that. We'll try that again at 10.30. Building blocks. And so here's the deal. It's the beginning of God's church. It's the first Christian church in, in 22 years of being in full-time ministry. I've never gotten to take the time to do a deep dive into the book of Acts. And this is going to be so much fun because we really are the continuation of the book of Acts. It's why we're putting the time and effort into having these study guides and, and being able to go through it slowly. Jesus is alive and we gathered and celebrated that last Sunday. And so often, In just seven days time, we lose all of that energy and we forget why we were so excited. And then we just kind of get back to going to church again and going to church is a great thing. But you know what? There's so much going on. There's so much that God is doing in the church. And so we get to take a look at the book of Acts and see not just what God did, did 2,000 years ago, but we're going to see what it is God is, is calling and leading and directing us to do. We got to see how it worked 2,000 years ago, and we get to see a lot of examples of how we might continue what was begun. So the book of Acts is a great follow-up. To Resurrection Sunday because it's the beginning of the church in a, in a very real way. It's the beginning of the church. If you've got one of those study guides, one of these things, and um, I, I, if you don't, I would encourage you to get one. What you're going to notice is the text of the Bible is on one side and there's room for notes on the other. So fair warning, we're not going a page at a time. We're not going to give, uh, each message isn't just one page. Uh, some days we're going to cover just a part of a page, some days it'll be a lot more. So if you're one of those note taker types, uh, take note of what we're looking at today, it's verses one to four, and kind of take your notes accordingly on that other page. But I would encourage you to do that because there's, there's so much going on. Some weeks you get to write big and do a lot of pictures and some weeks you maybe have to write really small. So why study the book of Acts? It's a fair question. It's a neat chapter in the life of the church, but it happened 2,000 years ago in a country on the other side of the world with people who don't even speak English. Why in the world would we take the time to study what happened back then? That's a fair question. Part of it is because it's an exciting book. There's so much action. There's intrigue and surprises. There's heroes and villains. There's adventure. There's travel. There's life change. There's salvation. There's the miracles. There's the presence of the Holy Spirit. There is so much going on. And every bit of it, every bit of it is relevant in one way or another to our lives today. And so before we get there, when you start a series like this, we need to do a little bit of history. So let's talk a little bit of history about the book of Acts. First of all, there's 14,000 18,451 words in the book of Acts. That's important because the book of Acts, like the predecessor book Luke, which we'll talk about in a moment, was written on what's called papyrus. And if you ever see old movies where they, where they show people in the temple un- unrolling these scrolls, those scrolls could be up to 35 feet long and it was called papyrus. And papyrus was a was a watery plant that they pounded flat and then they laid it another way and then they put a, a gluey covering on it kind of that dried it all out. And it was like the first organic white paper. But 18,451 words was about as many words as you could legibly print on one of those papyruses. And so it's this full book that took up an entire amount of paper in one scroll. So 2,000 years ago, they didn't have books the way that we do now. They had these scrolls, and that's what it was written on. Acts was written by Luke, the same guy that wrote the Gospel of Luke. But here's the thing. Luke was not one of the original 12 disciples. Luke was a Gentile convert to Christianity. He wasn't even Jewish. He was a physician by trade. But he was around Jesus, he spent time, he came alongside those original twelve, so much so that his account of Jesus is told in a unique enough way that it's included as one of the four Gospels, even though he wasn't one of the twelve disciples. And that viewpoint is extremely valuable, especially when we start looking at the book of Acts, because Luke Luke is looking at all of this a little bit from an outsider's perspective. He's not one of those 12 guys that had the daily audience with Jesus. When it was their small group time, Luke probably wasn't always there. But he was a Gentile convert to Christianity, which is something that we can understand as well. The uh, the book of Acts basically covers a 35-year span of time, and it's generally been dated to somewhere between 60 and 65 A.D. And if you think Jesus died in 33 that's a book that's written very, very much along the same time and in the same days as things were happening. If you want a, a live account of the early church, the book of Acts is really it. And so as we think about it, it it's a companion to the book of Luke. Luke is about as long, same, same length as the book of Acts, written by the same guy. And Luke actually talks about what he intended to do in the book of Luke as well as what he's intending to do in the book of Acts. In, in Luke 1, 3, he says that he's going to give an orderly account of the things that had been accomplished among us. Basically, it's the life, death, and resurrection in the ministry of Jesus. The things that had happened. And then he goes on in Acts, and he starts in the very first verse. He said, "It's Acts is a record of all that Jesus began to do and to preach. It's an interesting thing because... He's talking about the life of Jesus, and he's talking about the continuation of the ministry of Jesus. And what Luke wants us to understand is that things didn't stop with the death of Jesus. When we talk about the resurrection of Jesus, it should be a huge celebration. But rather than just being a celebration that's an ending point, it should be a celebration that's a starting or a launching off point. And that's why we're choosing to look at the book of Acts. Because it's the continuation of the ministry of Jesus After he physically left earth, but spiritually stayed with his followers, it's how Jesus chose to build the church and how God chose to to empower the church with the Holy Spirit. Acts records the building blocks of the early church. They serve as a reminder then that, that we are really the continuation of the book of Acts. A lot of people have talked about they want their churches to be the 29th chapter of the book of Acts. And that's a great thought, but it's really hard to do if you really haven't studied and, and modeled yourself after that early church. One of the things you hear me preach on here every fall is Acts 2, 42 to 47. That's what the early church looked like. That's this small encapsulation of what the early church was about. And it's a good reminder to us that we are the continuation of what we're about to study. We're not doing it on our own and we're not just kind of heading off on the way that we think is best. What we're trying to do is to carry on the church that Jesus began. So we're the caretakers of the legacy that we see in the book of Acts. If you want to know why it's important, that's why it's important. The Great Commission is our mission. The the book of Acts is our model. That's what we're trying to accomplish as a church. So Luke focuses primarily on the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. That isn't covered in the Gospels. The, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is mentioned at times throughout the Old Testament. It certainly is mentioned in the Gospels, but it isn't a, a focal point until Luke's writing in Acts. The Holy Spirit, and we need to think of this, the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a he. It's the person of God. And so when you hear me talk about the Holy Spirit, it will always be he. If you hear me say the Holy Spirit and refer to it as a non-human or a non-living entity, if I say it or anything like it, call me on it. Because that is a wrong representation of the Holy Spirit of God. It's called the Acts of the Apostles. But in reality, there's not a whole lot of talk about the Apostles. There's four of them that are mentioned. Peter, Paul, James, and John. James and John just barely. Peter at the first part. Paul at the second part. Peter and his mission and his ministry to the Jewish, or excuse me, yes, to the Jewish believers, Paul and his mission and ministry to the Gentile believers. And the book of Acts really breaks itself down in two ways. But throughout all of it is the Holy Spirit. And if you want to, if you've got one of these guides, every time the Holy Spirit is mentioned, it, circle it. Circle the Holy Spirit, circle those words, because what you're going to find is that you will have 50 places or more in the book of Acts that Luke talks about the Holy Spirit. That is how foundational the ministry and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit is. What we're going to learn is not just what they did right and what they did wrong 2,000 years ago. We're going to have a model of how we should be as a church and as believers today. So we, we see this work right away, focusing on the Jewish believers. Why? Because that was where the church was focused in Jerusalem. But then what you see is there's 58 other cities that are encompassed in this book as the good news of the gospel begins to go out into the world. 58 cities in that Mediterranean region, many of those of whom are reached with, by Paul. So these guys worked to spread the gospel 2,000 years ago. And you look at what does it have to do with us? Well, you know what the Great Commission tells us is that we're supposed to continue to spread the gospel. We'll continue to reach people in our area, our families, the places where we work, and around the world. The book of Acts is the beginning of what it is that we've been called to as a church. And so if you've got your Bibles, if you've got your study guide, break that spine a little bit, and and let's go into verse 1 of the book of Acts. Here we go. In the first book, the first book would be the Gospel of Luke. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. He's writing a summary, and and a lot of people say that probably the book of Acts was was physically tied to the gospel of Luke, that they they were written together as a pair, and that we've separated them into two different books, which makes sense because there's a natural break in them. But he talks about in the first book, that would be the gospel of Luke, when he says Theophilus, it's an interesting name. It's capitalized. And so it looks like it's a first person. It looks like it's addressing an individual. But what Theophilus means is lover of God. Theo being God. Filio being the, the uh, root word there, lover. Lover of God could be a person who just happens to be named that. Or, because it's used in both books, very likely it's written to the early Christian church and everyone who's a lover of God. It might almost be a code word. And so Theophilus, it looks like it's being addressed to a person. Very likely it isn't. It's addressed to a group. And and what Luke lays out here is his intention for writing the book. And what's cool is that as we follow through it, there's going to be times when there are huge spans of time that are covered in just a few verses, Big events, large chunks of time, boil down to just a few verses. And what we've got to do is go slowly and make sure we understand what's happening there. And as we work our way through, what we're going to find out is that this really becomes a bridge to everything that Paul writes later on. It's a continuation of all that Jesus began to do. And Paul, as his missionary journeys, are a continuation And we are the continuation as we continue to build on this foundation. We're we're the continued ministry of Jesus. We're the continued ministry of Peter and Paul and of the book of Acts. Verse 2. On the day when he was taken up, this is called the ascension, when Jesus returned to heaven. After he had given commands through the Holy Spirit, there's the introduction of him right there, the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. Jesus chose these disciples. that We find out that the disciples had replaced Judas, Right? Jesus had chosen these guys. He's taken up into heaven, but the ministry isn't over. Luke twenty four fifty one. Luke says it was near Bethany in the Mount of Olives where this happened. When we looked two weeks ago at Palm Sunday, that's the very same place that Jesus came down in that Palm Sunday parade. That was a very, very important place in the life of Jesus. A lot of significant things happened. Mount of Olives, Garden of Gethsemane, Bethany, all on the same part east of Jerusalem. He'd given commands to the disciples. Well, well we know what one of the commands is the Great Commission. Go, therefore, right? That's part of what we're supposed to do is to carry on that work. But what, what Luke wants to make sure that we understand is none of this none of this is done outside of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And that's something in churches in America today that a lot of times people aren't comfortable talking about. We're not comfortable talking about the Holy Spirit. If you're old enough, and I am, I grew up first hearing about the Holy Spirit as the Holy Ghost. That was scary. I didn't think I wanted any part of that. As I grew up in ministry, what I found is there are pastors and church leaders that didn't want any part of the Holy Spirit either. And it wasn't because they understood him as a ghost, which would be a scary thing. It was because they understood the power that he has and, and quite frankly, the powerlessness that we have. And yet what Luke wants to make sure that we understand is that everything that happens in these verses is because of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit and what Jesus put into motion. And so we need to be mindful of all of those pieces as we move along. goes on verse 3. He, that being Jesus, presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. What Luke does so well is he puts all kinds of big thoughts into one verse. That verse alone we could spend two weeks talking about because it's so loaded with things. What he throws in there is his suffering. Well, we've just come through that. Many proofs. This is all of the things that Jesus did, all of the people that he appeared to that the Gospels record. And all that Luke does is talks about the many proofs. During the 40 days, 40 days is a hugely significant number. And speaking about the kingdom of God, it's important that we understand that was Jesus' message, was the kingdom of God. From the very beginning, he said the kingdom of God is near. It isn't some far off place. It isn't something you've got to wait until you die to get to see. The kingdom of God is near. As Christians, as believers, we need to understand the kingdom of God is right here. The 40 days, hugely significant number. In Scripture, numbers carry a lot of weight for the Jewish people. Forty days occurs often. And when you think about it, there's 40 days after his resurrection that Jesus appears to over 500 people. That's what Luke is recording right now, 40 days. He's talking about God's kingdom here on earth, not a political kingdom, because he made that statement on Palm Sunday. They were hoping for a political ruler to overthrow Rome. That wasn't what Jesus came for. Jesus came for the salvation of human souls. It's a spiritual kingdom that's about the transformation of human lives. That's why the Jewish people rejected him, because that's not what they wanted. They wanted a powerful political kingdom. He's about changing cultures through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Luke is going to get that over and over. That's our calling. That's our mission here at the Open Door Christian Church. You hear me talk all the time about we're here to help change the culture in this area for the gospel of Jesus. Not because we want to be a big deal, but because we know that Jesus is a big deal. And that's the message that we want to get out. We want to be about changing culture. So the hope that we have, the hope that we proclaim, it isn't in a politician, it isn't in a president, it isn't in a policy or a program. The hope that we have is in the risen Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit at work among us. That's what the, God, the, the book of Acts is going to talk about salvation of souls through the death and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our hope is in the kingdom of God. That's what Luke is going to talk about. The reference to 40 days, hugely significant. It's meant to be a long period of time that has a definite end to it. That was the understanding that they had. 40 is a number we see over and over. How many days did it rain during the great flood? Take a wild guess. How many days did Moses spend on Mount Sinai? Take a guess. How long did the nation of Israel wander after they were released from Egypt on the way to the promised land? Careful now. Forty years. years. That's a long time, but a definite end. Before Jesus begins his ministry and he goes out into the world, he spends how long in the desert fasting and praying and being tempted by the devil? How long? Forty days. We'll be grateful for that because he only lived 33 years, right? Forty years would have put an end to things before it ever got started. Forty, 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 forty. It's a significant number. Verse 4. And while staying with them, while Jesus stayed with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. Jesus didn't give a lot of commands. He didn't give a lot of orders. He didn't direct people. He He more gave people an example. But we looked at a couple of weeks ago where he gave them an order, and here it says he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem. Something important was going to happen, and Jesus didn't want them to miss it. And the important thing, of course, is the arrival of our advocate, our helper, God's Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't want people to miss that. So he orders them to stay. Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the father. He said, you heard it from me for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so right off the bat, they're thinking, well, seven days or 40 days or how long do we have to wait? All that Jesus said is not many days from now. What I love about it is that there are different Bibles translated different ways. Sometimes it says while he was dining with them. Sometimes it says while he was staying with them. Uh, Sometimes it says while he ministered to them. The point being, Jesus just hung out for 40 days. Jesus, The risen Jesus spent 40 days with his followers so that more than 500 people could say, I saw him. And so throughout the pages of history, we can't say that Jesus rose from the grave and nobody can prove it. There's more than 500 people that encountered the living Jesus. The living Jesus appeared to more than 500 people. And the book of Acts is picking that up and making sure that we understand it. What's the promise? The promise is the gift of our advocate, the Holy Spirit, the one that God sends to us to benefit the church. The Holy Spirit is the one that that allows us to come to faith. The Holy Spirit is the one who allows us to live lives of faith, to to become this new creation that God promises that we'll be. The Holy Spirit is going to come to earth and be available to Christians, and and what we understand is the Holy Spirit is going to be here as long as we are. And so when God makes a promise, God keeps the promise. The statement of Jesus is important because to the Jewish people, They understood the arrival of the Messiah meant that they were going to be transformed and restored. But they didn't want what Jesus had for them. But Jesus continues that message as he talks about the kingdom of God. It's a message of restoration and transformation. We're going to get more into that in verse 6. But it's important that this theme of Jesus while he is alive, Luke continues even after Jesus has been ascended to heaven. So you want to know how significant the Holy Spirit is? Fifty times in the book of Acts. Fifty times in 18,451 words. That's a pretty significant number of times that the Holy Spirit is referenced. But sometimes we have to wait. And we're not good at waiting, which is why it's important that we get a handle on 40 days and 40 years. That there's a time, but there's an end. Sometimes we have to wait for God to speak. Sometimes we have to wait to hear from God. Sometimes we have to wait to get an answer to prayer. Sometimes we have to wait to fully experience the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. But it's a time that will come because God promises the Holy Spirit will be there. And Jesus says, you know, you're going to be baptized not just with water, but with the Holy Spirit. That's something that's caused so much confusion in the church. It's caused divisions and denominations, but, but it's so simple. Jesus says there's a baptism that's a that's a public act where you make a statement to other people that you're going to choose a new life. You're going to choose to do something that's out of the ordinary. as a statement that you're going to become a follower of his. And then when we do that and we say that we're open and welcome and we invite the Holy Spirit into our lives, it's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we're filled with the Holy Spirit. It's like a pilot light gets lit, and lit in our, our spiritual furnace. And as we grow in faith and as we we give more and more of ourselves to God, that pilot light takes over more and more and the Holy Spirit begins to fill us and energize us and be the power that we live in more and more. So think about it. In, In God's wisdom, when Jesus was on earth, he could minister to one person and one group at a time. But God takes Jesus and he has him ascended to heaven and the disciples didn't like it. They didn't want to see the risen Jesus go. But Jesus says, I'm going to send one who will come after me, an advocate, a helper. And because of the Holy Spirit, now God is able to be in all places at all times with all people. And because of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, it wasn't one person ministering to one person. Suddenly it's hundreds of people at a time, thousands of people, millions of people. So effectively that we are the church here today on the other side of the world 2,000 years later because of the power and the presence of God through the Holy Spirit. That's the legacy that we've inherited as Christian believers today. That's the legacy that we have as a church. We are the ones, in part, that God sent his Holy Spirit to help. You are the ones that God sent his Holy Spirit to fill. And so maybe you're still waiting. You know what? We're going to talk about that before we get too far down the book of Acts here. Maybe you're still waiting. Maybe you're uncomfortable. Maybe what you understand, you've all been taught your whole life, it's the Holy Ghost and that part of God is something to be afraid of. And there's some churches that teach that. You're not to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that allows us to have faith, that allows us to grow in that faith and to become the person that God created us to be. The Holy Spirit is the one that gifts us and allows us to be able to bring things, gifts and talents and abilities to the church that we can't do on our own. So for 2,000 years, the Holy Spirit has filled and empowered and inspired people to have the privilege of telling the world around them about Jesus. And as we look at the book of Acts, we become a part of that beautiful process. In 2,000 years, God's means, God's methods, and God's model haven't changed. People have changed. Culture has changed. How we hear things, how we interpret, how we understand things. In fact, we've changed so much that there are churches that are changing the words of the Bible, saying that's not what God meant at all. We misunderstood it for 2,000 years. No, we didn't. You let culture change your understanding. God promises that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so the book of Acts is a 2,000-year-old model of how God grew the church. But here's the deal. God hasn't changed, which means it's the model that we'll follow today. Today. See, in 2,000 years, people are still saved individually, one at a time, by the death and the resurrection to new life of Jesus. We're still filled and gifted with the Holy Spirit to give testimony to the world around us of how that risen Jesus has changed us. Things haven't changed. Our culture has changed. And what we're seeing more than any time in history is what our culture needs is Jesus. Not our changed Jesus We need the Jesus that God sent and the Holy Spirit that God sent to us. So we're the continuation of the church in the book of Acts. And so look at it that way, not just through a historical lens and say, oh, that's how God did it. As you read the book of Acts, as you study, as you read ahead, as you as you look at it yourself. And I would encourage you to do that. Read ahead and think about how would you deliver a message on this? What would you lift up? What would you talk about? Make notes about those things, and I'm not going to cover all of them. There's so much that gets left behind in a message. We only have so much time, and there's so much that God is doing. So look at the book of Acts as a historical book, as a book of history and fact, but also as a book that is the model for what we're called to be as the church today. So what are we going to do next as a church? See, a lot of churches go out there and they create these grand vision statements and these wonderful mission statements and they go off running down this road and they completely leave the book of Acts as though it needs to be left behind because it's old. You know, the Great Commission hasn't been fulfilled and the book of Acts is still relevant. So who will we be? How will we read it? Will, 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 we, will we learn from the book of Acts and put it into practice in our lives and in our church? Or are we going to say that, that that's just history? No, we're not going to say it's just history. We're going to look at how we can be influenced and changed and grow by what we find in the book of Acts. Will you be open? Will you be fully open to the Holy Spirit at work in your life? As a church, we invite God's Holy Spirit into this worship space every Sunday morning. God gets to be here. God gets to choose to do what he wants. But w- when we pray for the Holy Spirit, that's just simply saying, God, we welcome you. We want you to be here. I have served in churches and under pastors who wanted no part of the Holy Spirit because they knew the Holy Spirit took them out of control. You know what? I want God in control around here. But what about you? What about your life? Are you welcome to the Holy Spirit? Are you open to the Holy Spirit leading and guiding, directing who you are and how you grow as a Christian? Or or is that going to be the veil that we talked about that was torn at the death of Jesus? Is that the veil? Is that line between you and the Holy Spirit? Is is that your line in the sand? God, I I want what I need from you, but I, I don't want all of you. What will be your attitude with your relationship with God's Holy Spirit? I hope and I pray that what you will find in Acts is not just A history book of the church. I hope and I pray that what you find is just not a model and a means and a method for us to go forward as a church. I hope what you find is an an invitation from God, because it's there and it's going to be coming up loud soon. An invitation to a deeper, more personal, more intimate relationship with Him through His Holy Spirit. Because that's what is in the book of Acts. This is going to be good stuff. And uh, I hope that, that you continue on, that you continue to follow through, either watching online or coming live. Uh, get one of those study guides, read through it, take notes, remind your stuff of things you want to go and follow up on. What you're going to find is that... This bridge into the work of Paul, we're going to be referencing a lot of the New Testament, but there's also a lot of history that reaches back into the Old Testament that we're going to cover. And so the book of Acts serves as a wonderful bridge between Old Testament and the New Testament. And it's going to be fun. Let's pray. God, who will we be? What will we choose to do with you and the power of your Holy Spirit at work and in the world around us? God, we get the choice of being open to your Holy Spirit or being closed. And and there are Christian people that are closed to your Holy Spirit because they're afraid of what you might do or they're afraid of what they think you might make them do. But God, any understanding of you at all knows that the gift of your Holy Spirit is for our good. God, the book of Acts shows what happens when people in churches and communities of people are willing to live in the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit, but it also shows what happens when we're not. And God, I pray that this study enlivens us. I pray that it just brings our church to life, that your Holy Spirit takes root in a new and a fresh way in us as a congregation, but also, God, in us as people. As individuals that we are, we are welcome to what it is that you want to do in the life, in the mind, in the heart of each and every one of us. God, thank you for this book. Thank you for Luke, who, who was such an intelligent man who, who was converted to a belief in you and then who wrote and talked about it and the incredible difference that you made in the world 2,000 years ago that you want to continue to make today. God, I just pray that you would, that you would bless us from you from your Holy Spirit as we take the time to study what it is in the book of Acts, what it means to us as individuals, and what it can mean to us as a church. God, we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, you are the open-door Christian church, and we are the continuation in the book of Acts, and all that we want to do is to be faithful to what God has called us to be.